0: Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride. And your drive you can purchase a new or used vehicle from jamie wilkie at the new winnipeg dodge in the point west auto park and the former manitoba amateur champ will take you for a round at breezy bend so now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game you can book your test drive today at WinnipegDodge.com. just ask for jamie wilkie you can also check him out on episode 2 of the 18 over par podcast he'll certainly be happy to see you You can also find them on social media. So make sure you improve your ride and your drive. And the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com.
1: It's the 18 over par podcast with Mike and Jr.
0: You suck, you duck out. Welcome to 18 over par with Mike and Jr. proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm J.R., he's Mike. And today we're joined by Dr. Robert Spears from the legendary Spears golf family. He recently won the parent-child tourney at St. Charles, where he is a long-standing member. He's also played collegiately down under, and when he's not golfing, you can find him at the hockey rink or as the owner and director of chiropractic at Aberdeen Chiropractic. Super excited to bring in rob spears you may have heard that name before it is synonymous with golf in this province and uh, it just so happens that everyone i think in the family can golf and speaking of golf well this guy can golf too that's jamie wilkie at the new winnipeg dodge in the point west auto park a huge shout out to him and i think they got some new grand cherokee l's in stock mike i think they have four oh, of them yes. in stock i mean they may already yes. be gone but uh, that's that's the latest release of the Grand Cherokee. And it's long. And
2: that's the, three, uh, the three-seater, the three or the three rows three of row. seating.
0: Yeah, three rows of seating. You can yeah. fit 20 people in there, just like the Wagoneer, although it's not recommended. But you can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. And as well, Rob, you and the family are going to get yourselves an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can check them out, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. All right. So we, oh. we know your brother. We know your dad. How did you get into golf? Was it your dad?
1: It was. Um, when I was uh, 10 years old, for my 10th birthday, my birthday's in April. And uh, I got a membership at St. Charles um, and a set of clubs and uh, been going after it ever since.
0: So are you the older brother or are you younger than Adam?
1: I'm the older. I'm three and a half years older, older than Adam is.
0: Okay, so what Ooh. happened to him?
1: Uh, I mean, what yeah. do you say, right? I mean, he, <laughs> <laughs> he got all the attention as the youngest one. That's why he can whip me. That's, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to blame him.
2: Bob, <laughs> certainly, you, you look a lot younger than Adam, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, all that stress of uh, 10 years as a swearing pro for him, he a little more gray yeah. than I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> My yeah. life been pretty due to that, yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> who is the? Because when we were talking to to Adam, he's mentioning he doesn't really get to play uh, a whole lot uh, anymore. So, who is the better golfer right now? Have you snipped him yet?
1: Um, I will probably beat him once a year when he's really not paying attention. Okay. Um, no matter how uh, he may tell you that he doesn't play that much, and he doesn't. But um, some things you don't forget, and uh, he stripes it. He hits his irons really close to the hole, and uh, that's tough to beat. So. Um, I've had a a, a lifetime of trying my best to beat him and uh, I get him once in a while, but uh, he usually beats the wheels off me pretty easy.
0: (laughs) Did you (laughs) used to take him down as a junior or no?
1: By the time he was about 14, he could, he was better than I was. So I would have been 17 and he was 14 or something like that. Um, By then he was uh, was pretty good and he was very focused on it. Um, I was Uh, More of a hockey player as a youngster. But he was, uh, look, he was just that good. He was very, very talented, very driven, very focused. And uh, yeah, it was fun to watch him growing up. Go from, uh, you know, the little kid who started playing cross-handed. Probably didn't tell you that when he was here. No, I don't think he did. And uh, hitting full shots cross-handed to the guy who, uh, you know, made it to a couple of U.S. Opens and won on the Canadian Tour. It it was uh, quite the journey for him. So it was uh, yeah. I mean, it was cool to watch. You know, it's a. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, I helped drag him along a little bit. Um, my dad more than I did, but uh, no, he was uh yeah. It was, since he was about fourteen, I beat him maybe once a year. That's uh, you know, that's how it goes.
0: Do you remember what the, you, your, your first set of clubs were?
1: I do. Um, so I um, I got a set, a full set of well, a junior set of Wilson blades. Because it was 1985, (laughs) and uh, cavity backs weren't really a thing yet. (laughs) And with persimmon woods and uh, and like a bullseye type putter, and a little like um, red and white Wilson bag, and it was fantastic. And I used those for probably two years, I would guess. And then I grew five foot to five foot eleven between twelve and thirteen. So then I got my dad's uh, old set of Hogan directors. Wow. that my dad had with like X100 steels in them. Couldn't bend them to save my life, but uh, <laughs> learned to swing hard, I guess. That worked out in the end.
0: Nice. Are you still swinging nice. hard now?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the one thing I can still do is swing hard. <laughs> <laughs> some, like I said, some things you never forget, and hitting it hard is uh, what I can do.
0: What uh, is your index at now?
1: Um, From the Blue cheese at St. Charles. It's a three point one.
0: Wow! So you're in the you're in the mix then. So with all the 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 competitions with the big boys, you're uh, you must be in the in the thick of things then.
1: Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a very very bad habit of playing fine when when it's you know uh, a seven point game or something like that, and then uh, the minute uh, that I have to uh, hit everything in the fairway and Every putt I hit at the bottom of the uh, cup, I seem to have lost my lost my marbles the last few years. That's how it goes. It's uh, you know, it's just it's what it is. Man, I haven't played competitive golf in about ten years since my son was born. Um, and you know, with two kids, you know, I play for fun. I play a fair amount, but uh, this was the first year I kind of tried to get back into competitive golf after a long hiatus, and uh, it's harder than I remember. <laughs>
0: Well, so so who was it then? Because you won the parent-child at St. Charles, and so was it your kid yeah. pulling you along, or were you pulling him along?
1: He's got a strong back. He carried me the whole way. <laughs> he, uh, it was, he's only been playing he, a year, really. Like he, you know, he, he would come out and whack it around or whatever. But uh, this year, when they um, said households only, um, it was a big uh, big plus for him because they said, look. Your daughter, your sister doesn't want to play. Your mom doesn't want to play, so we're going. And so we played a uh, we played a lot when uh, when they were when we were all locked down. And he uh, really got the bug, and nice. he's he, he loved the game, and um, he's uh, he's competitive. He is crazy competitive, sometimes to his detriment. But um, he was uh, he was geared up. He was like, Dad, you got to sink this one and <laughs> make sure you knock <laughs> it in the fairway because I can get him here. And I'm like, Okay, bud. So it was, uh, it was great yeah. fun. You know, it was one of those things. It was uh, a fun event. Um, but uh, it, we both actually played really well and made a couple of big putts uh, the last few holes. And away we went. It was great. Yeah.
2: What's the uh, format right. of that ch- that child, uh, the child parent uh, tournament at St. Charles? That's what I was curious so about.
1: So it is an ultimate shot, handicapped stable first. And um, oh, wow. you get... This year was was a new. Um, they threw a new couple new wrinkles at us this year. Um, you're allowed a mulligan each, mm. and an automatic butt. and so oh, and a oh. throw. You're allowed to throw it. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. And <laughs> the, the first jump of the day was. Was my throw? I threw, I was like, "What are you doing?" It was embarrassing. That's how it goes. So yeah, it was <laughs> back in the day. It used to be father-son Rose Bowl way back in 1986 when I won it with my dad. And then uh, since then, you know, the um, the club has evolved uh, a lot since I was, you know, since I was a kid. And Now it's um, it's junior and parent. And then next year it's going back to parent-child, so you can have a 40-year-old playing with his seven-year-old dad. So it's, uh, it's a great right. event, tons of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the club's trying to make it uh, as inclusive as possible, and it's uh, yeah, it's a great, great, fun day. We had great weather, as we did most of the year this year. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things that uh, Grace and I will remember. Uh, well, I'll remember forever. He might forget about it, but that's how
2: I <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, At least <laughs> until next year when you take it again. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Adam keeps threatening to play with his daughter and said, All right, well you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, one of my questions was, was there going to be a cutoff? Is there a cutoff for how old the child can be? You know, like referencing the PNC championship in the, uh, the PGA Tour there and you got uh, Vijay and Bernard and their, you know, 20 plus year old sons. And you so you mentioned they were going to increase the age. It's going to be a true parent child. Is there still going to be a, a parent junior or you're going to have to compete against some uh, some older guys next year?
1: I think I think we're going to have to take on uh, the full field. They may they may do divisions. I don't know, but um, yeah. we're not looking for a division win. We're looking for the whole thing again. Come on now,
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All about the trophies in that household. Uh, we we are in that family. We get uh, it. We get it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, the what it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned hockey, so I, I guess that hockey was your your first love then when it came to sports.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it was my first love. I loved hockey and golf. Um, love playing both. I was just better at hockey than I was at golf. Mm. And so, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, and you, you're, you know, you're harboring dreams of being a guy who gets paid to play and all the rest of it, um, you know, um, you go with the one that you, you, you're better at. And so, you know, once I turned 13, um, you know, there was, uh, it was kind of the infancy of, summer hockey back then um, so I was playing um, you know with the Mustangs and going out to Vancouver and stuff like that and um, um, it kind of took up a fair amount of golf time I still played a lot don't get me wrong but um, it was one of those things that uh, you know it's kind of what I chose to focus on um, knowing kind of deep down I wasn't going to make it at either of them so it didn't really matter
0: <laughs> but it's all about fun though it's all about the fun <laughs>
1: can't do it you try to uh, you know now as an adult with um, an 11 year old and 9 year old both of whom are um, hyper competitive um, you know it's one of those things where you see your own faults in your kids all the time I'm trying to convince them that you know it's just for fun and everything else but that's a hard thing to uh, genetics is hard to overcome at times and um, <laughs> yeah it is all about fun but uh, winning is fun too and so trying to find that balance yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. So that's where we are in our house these
2: Well, yeah, I don't know anything about hockey, but uh, <laughs> so obviously, uh, so you're a, you're a chiropractor, so you get into that practice, and you're going to school, and uh, and then you make your way over to Australia somehow. I guess first question will be like, how did you decide you wanted to be a chiropractor?
1: I had some pretty good luck with. Chiropractic care when I was playing hockey. I was, um, my last year of junior hockey, I played out in Drumheller, Alberta, and, um, got hurt kind of midway through the year. And, um, our team had a chiropractor that helped us out. He took good care of me, and I kind of, you know, got to talking to him and said, you know, this is something interesting, and kind of put it in the, put it in the back of my mind. And, um, when it came time to figure out what I was going to do the kind of the rest of my life, I, um, just kind of out of, He luck ran into a family friend who was a chiropractor and spoke to him about it and both of them shared a a real enjoyment of what they did day in and day out um and kind of got got me going with it and um it's um yeah it kind of planted the seed and as I was working my way through school I I did a phys ed degree at U of M um and figured out pretty early I didn't want to be a phys ed teacher and um, the the fitness industry kind of was at the time twenty plus years ago it wasn't kind of what it is now. Um, it was a lot harder to to kind of um, convince people that you know paying you to, to train them in those kind of things was going to be easy, you know, and make you enough money. So I, I was looking at other options, and my um, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, um, also had a kind of a family connection to chiropractic and she had said you know why don't we look into this and so we um started looking into it after she she had graduated from U of M she graduated the year after me <clears throat> in kind of going through the schools we we narrowed it down we wanted a school that was what we call evidence-based um and uh the three that we kind of had narrowed it down to were Toronto um London and uh Sydney and uh, of the three we kind of said, wow, the three places, let's go to Sydney. And that was the greatest decision we ever made. Um, other than having kids, of course, and getting married, but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yes um it was the best thing we ever did with Sure. We spent <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah. Make
1: sure true? you keep that in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah yeah
0: <laughs> We got the um, quote. Yeah, we got the quote. I'll make sure to yeah. turn the volume up real high on that one.
1: I like that. Yeah. Uh, so we were down nice, there for so you, 6 years and you,
2: uh, great. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh did you do any golf out there?
1: I did So, um, you know, one of the great things about it was the perpetual summer. Right. So, um, right. I also happened to kind of be lucky enough at the time. Uh, I was 25 when we went over there and I just come off, um, winning the club championship at St. Charles. And I thought I was a pretty decent player at the time. And so mm-hmm. I, got, I walked on to the, um, to the golf team down there <laughs> and, um, uh, ended up playing uh, all four years. Um, it's a little different down there. It's not you know it's not what you know the NCAA is, but it would be comparable with kind of what the U of M team is up here. Um, and um, it was uh, it, it was great. My um, I went down there and um, yeah, played all four years. We, we were uh, very competitive. The last uh, the first three years, uh, we ended up finishing second in national championships each year. Wow. And then um, we actually won it my final year so uh, went out with a bang um, wow. yeah it was a, it was a great experience and it opened a lot of doors to play a lot of different golf courses and a lot of different tournaments and um, with a lot of different kind of players and uh, so it, it, it allowed me to both meet people who were members at some of these kind of incredible golf courses down there as well as um, open up the, opportunities to play in in a lot of the tournaments down there um one of the great things about australian golf is almost every club in each state especially the big ones you know new south Wales golf club royal sydney royal melbourne they'll host um amateur events either one or two days where you'll you play 18 each day or you'll play 36 in a day and they're very affordable they're anywhere from 40 to 70 bucks here was a 20 years ago mm-hmm. um And um, uh, you get to play these iconic, incredible golf courses in tournament condition, um, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, all year round. And uh, it allowed me to get on. I think I played upwards of 70 of the top 100 in the country at the time in the six years. Jeez. So it was pretty, it was pretty great. And I didn't have to pay, you know, the big bucks to get on them. Um, So that was, that was great too. Broke. uh, What what was uh,
2: what was the coach like? How do you walk onto the team? Do you just go and find the golf coach and say, "Hey, I'm pretty good at golfing"? And and he said, "Well, you're from Canada. You don't know how to golf."
1: (laughs) So they um, they don't really have uh, you know like the traditional what you would think of as a golf coach. Um, You've got a team captain, Uh and um, at the start of every year, they've got you know in this big open area. Uh, kind of common area at the, at the school I went to, McCoy University. Um, they would have like this, these booths set up and, um, it would be all the different sports and they would have club level and then they would have a competitive level too. And down there, you know, we'd be like basketball, like you could play what amounts to intramural basketball or you could try and play in the inter kind of collegiate, the, uh, AIU stuff. And, um, I was walking by the golf booth and said, Hey, What's the story here, And I said. Well, you know, we got qualifying rounds and this and that. And I said, all right, I'm in, and uh, played well enough to get on the team. And then um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I was the, um, I was one of the older guys because I was one of the grad students, right? So, um, kind of took it um, upon myself to turn it into. A, you know, I took my hockey experience and, and tried my best to turn that golf team into a hockey team. Um, <laughs> and you know, right. everyone have everyone like play together all the time and be buddies and, you know, and you're not always best friends, but you're doing your best to make sure that you're friends with everybody. And, um, you know, you're all, you're seeing each other on a regular basis. You're practicing together. And, uh, um, I was lucky enough to be the captain the last three years I was there. And, uh, it was a great, great experience and a great team building experience that has, um, served me well, um, as an adult, as a, uh, you know, as a real up, as I like to say. Um, both with, uh, you know, trying your best to keep staff together. And, uh, you know, when you own a business, it's a challenge at times. And um, you try to withdraw on those experiences. They may not fit perfectly every time, and you kind of have to learn as you go along. Um, but, uh, yeah, it served me very well. So I, I, it was, you know, a little bit of extra learning down there that I didn't anticipate. So.
0: Yeah, did you take any nice. of the, the line brawls from hockey and bring that to the golf team? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, was, uh, I was I was no good at those when I was uh, when I was playing hockey. <laughs> Didn't my test my luck on the golf course either.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to don't want to mix it up with any of those Aussie football right. players either or right. rugby players.
1: <laughs> they are uh, they are bonkers. Those guys, <laughs> good bunch of guys. they're. Cool. they're uh, they're hockey players out so there. A good bunch of guys, and they're, well, uh, yeah, they're crazy for sure. <laughs> did
2: you play any hockey while you were there? We had a few friends play uh, mm-hmm. some hockey in Australia.
1: Yeah. I did. I actually played one year in that Aussie National League um, for the Newcastle North Stars. Mm, wow! And um, it was uh, it was funny. So I got down there and I, I played the first few weeks, um, kind of in. I guess it was probably in late March, early April, kind of thing. You know, thinking like, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna light this league up, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then all the leagues in Europe shut down. All these guys came over. And I was instantly like, <laughs> fourth line, PK two, you know, a. Spears. Uh, you know, <laughs> get out there and try not to get scored out of the way. All right. But, uh, <laughs> and um, I think I got a scuffle once, and I, you know, I kind of got my hand caught up in a guy's home and i thought to myself what am i doing like what, what, what am i doing out here i'm here to become a chiropractor i'm going to school what you, like give your head a shake and so i uh yeah so i only played the one year and uh yeah it was great you know it was fun because when i got there it was you know instantly 20 year best friends right yeah but um right. uh you know i i shut it down after a year and uh threw my gear in the ocean and, uh, just played golf, for a, which was, uh, was okay by me.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice.
0: So what was the impetus then to, to come back? You, you finished your your schooling and you were done with, uh, I guess, golf there collegiately and just decided to come back and, you know, start your business or was it something that you kind of grew into?
1: Um, so my wife and I practiced down there. She, so my wife, we went over there together. We both studied chiropractic mm-hmm. together, graduated together. Um, and then we um, we decided that we wanted to get out of Sydney um, for a few different reasons, just kind of try and do something different. Um, we both had pretty good job opportunities out in Western Australia, south of Perth. Um, I had a great, a great mentor, David Walkley, who is to this day just a guy that I respect um, the utmost amount. I can't can't say enough good things about him so I had an opportunity for work for a guy that you know was really a great kind of help and so we went out there and um a year and a half there kind of in an hour and a half two hours south of Perth um made us kind of go you know it's probably time to go home yeah. and when it came time to renew our visas we just decided that it was um we 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 had done our thing and it was time to come home and uh, see kind of how things were here We well, always with the back of the mind that uh There were days when it was 40 below in February. We thought, let's head to the airport. (laughs) But uh, we stuck it out. And, um, yeah, and so it was, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of have to take a look at long-term where do you want to be um, when when you do have kids. You know, what kind of, where do you want them to grow up and how much do you want them to know? you know, your parents. My you know, both of our parents aren't um uh, are, are in Winnipeg. We both grew up in Winnipeg, our whole families are in Winnipeg. Um so it was one of those things where we made the conscious decision to get to to get home. It was great down there, but uh it was time to come home.
0: Mm. And then when you came home did you just hit the ground running and start up uh, your own practice or how did you uh well, get that so going?
1: I um starting your own practice um can be a bit of a battle. Um and it wasn't one that I wanted to fight. Um, we had uh, you know, our student debt and everything else. So uh, I went and worked. I worked um, close to St. Charles for a, a guy named Dr. Doug Stardub, who again was um, a great guy to, to start off with. Um, and I worked there kind of half, half the week. Um, and then um, went to work at Aberdeen Chiropractic for a guy named Gary Speck, who was getting close to retirement. And I worked for Gary for a couple of years. And then um, bought the practice off of him. And then he worked for me for kind of a year and a half, give or take. And then, uh, he retired and I, um, kind of went at it on my own and tried my best not to, uh, run it into the ground. And so far, so good.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: there's still time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You never yeah. know. You in the wing. And, uh, you know, there's some things I'd do differently if I had to do it over again, but, uh, overall, it's, uh, it's been a great experience. And, um, having those two guys when I moved home they were both um, quite help very very helpful and, and um, Doug especially being politically active in the association kind of gave me the lay of the land better than than some might have um, and uh, it was a, it, I've had some really really good bosses in my time and um, it, it's really kind of helped shape what I do you know when you when you graduate you make grandiose statements like, oh, I'm only going to work with professional athletes and blah, blah, blah. Then you realize you have to eat and pay rent and pay for a mortgage <laughs> everything else. You go, yeah, no, I better start seeing everybody else. And, um, you know, you get your kind of your areas where you're better than others and you try and build on those. But, um, yeah, having guys that kind of help you find your way was, was very helpful for me.
2: Nice. You were, you were probably saying to yourself, "I'm only going to do national podcasts. So I'm not going to do uh, local podcasts."
1: <laughs> Until COVID hit, now it's more local, baby. That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> go local. Go local. That's great.
0: Well, Mike, I, I, know, was gonna... I know Mike. Uh, go. I was going to dig up uh, one thing yeah. that uh, that you saw, and I think it was uh, bartending experience. Is that, was that correct? <laughs>
1: I uh, I have had bartending experience. Um, you know, when um, when you're in school, you got to pay the bill somehow. And I <laughs> I bartended at a couple of a uh, couple of clubs in Sydney and uh, a couple of country clubs in Sydney, which was great. Uh, one of them wow. being Hill, which was a great track. And then um, when I moved home, uh, uh, you know, when you're starting practice. But when, you know, you're home and if you're not walking into an established, like taking over for for an established um, practitioner, you, you know, you got to pay bills as well. And um, it's not, you don't hit the ground running and, you know, you're not making, you know, X amount of dollars right off the hop. And so I uh, I got a job bartending at the round table when I moved back. And it was great fun for six months or so. And so I decided, no, can't do this anymore. I got to, you know. I can't stay up this late and still work and everything else. And uh, I did it while I was waiting for yeah, I got the job. I was waiting for my board exam results and that kind of stuff. And then hung on to it until I was making enough money um, in the chiropractic game to uh, to not need to do it. And um, believe me, there are days where I'd love to go back. It was, it was great fun. I mean, it's a terrific, yeah. terrific way to make money when you're a student. But uh, nowadays, at uh, my age, it's... Also sounds like a nightmare.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> so were you were you like a mixologist? Were you you know Tom Cruise in cocktail or?
1: My hands are not good enough to try that stuff. I am the basics. I um I make a mean G and i I've got a few uh, cocktails up my sleeve. If people want something cool, make a few good martinis and uh, pretty good at pouring drafts. So it worked out great at the round table, I'll tell you that. Then, That's you know, nice. You know I was like a, a role player third liner you can move me up and down the lineup but uh, I knew my spot <laughs>
2: good uh, well that's all you need to know in Winnipeg I think that's true
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah bartending in Winnipeg was a little different than bartending in downtown Sydney but uh, yeah that's
2: yeah <laughs>
0: We want the details. No, um, that's all right. We don't, no. we don't want to, you know, we, we don't, we don't want to dive uh, too, too much into that. Um, what I did want to dive into though, coming in and, and chatting, you uh, know, looking at your background and getting a, the chance to speak with you was how your, your practice or being a chiropractor and how you bring that into golf. Cause really it's not about just cracking backs and that sort of thing. It's really about wellness and just overall health. So how do you transition that into the game of golf?
1: Well, a few different things. Um, one of the kind of advantages, I'll call it, to um, to being in practice, uh, you can call it an advantage or a disadvantage. The advantage to golf and a bit of a, a pain for practice, I suppose, is you need to take – it's a fairly physical job, especially the way I do it. Uh, my hands and my shoulders and my you know my back and my hips, they, they take a bit of a beating over the course of a day or week or month. And so I, I incorporate, um, you know, kind of – the rehab principles that I use with my patients into in my own kind of day-to-day as much as I can. Um, and uh, oddly enough, or luckily enough, I guess, um, a lot of the same areas that you need to take care of for longevity in chiropractic are the same kind of things you need to take care of for longevity in golf. And so um, being able to use those principles for both those things that I do most often these days has um, given me a fairly good background, a fairly good understanding of what kind of the average player needs to look at, and the um, and how that differs from the elite athletes, um, how it differs from the the beginner to the to the senior, those kind of things. So, um, you know, you try to incorporate it in your own life, and then take those lessons. You know, I kind of you know I'm one of those guys who I'll, i experiment on myself first. If it works great, I'll try to. Incorporate it into people who are comparable to me and then modify it accordingly. And if it doesn't work, well, you can only screw up my own wrist or shoulder or something like that, not someone else's.
0: (laughs) Smart. good way to go about it.
2: Yeah. Well, I think Avoid you know, those lawsuits. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: right. <laughs> well, I think that even goes back That's to a little fun. bit of what, uh, Derek Goodwin, who also uh, you might know from St. Charles there. He was on the, the pod uh, as well. And uh, he kind of mentioned, too, of, you know, you can't fit everyone into that one box where, you know, someone might have, have a hip issue. So they may not be able to rotate as much. So you can't try and say, okay, well, you got to swing like this if you physically can't do that. So is that kind of what you take into your practice as well?
1: 100%. One of the, um, one of the, the main kind of principles of, of practice is everyone is a case study of one. Um, everyone is unique. You cannot cookie cutter everyone who walks in the door with the same treatment plan, the same um, method, the same amount of force that you can adjust on, the same pressure for tissue for soft tissue release work. Um, you know, you can't treat them all the same way. You can't talk to them the same way. Yeah, so you, I mean, you, you treat everyone as an individual in all ways. And um, one of the one of the great things that's happened recently was um, for both guys like Derek and guys like me was John Rom on using his giant stage, I guess, um, and talking about how he was born with a club foot and you know the swing that he has developed as a result um, is his swing and. Um, you don't have you know if you're going to try and copy it it's probably not going to work because it's not kind of made for you and um, understanding how to take that principle and um, um, apply it to both rehabilitation and treatment and you know active care and passive care um, as well as you know teaching golf swing is is important for guys like Derek and guys like me so um, you know there are certain underlying principles that that, that kind of stand for everybody you know you can never really be too strong or too flexible, right? But, uh, you know, you can never have too good a diet, those kind of things. But in the same breath, um, that's different. The way that that looks for everybody is, is different. And so um, kind of having a a wide breadth of experience with a bunch of different types of people. It kind of goes back to that only working with professional athletes. I think I've learned more and gained more from working with a wide swath of the population than I ever would have had I just done. You know, the I'm only dealing with the elite um, it's been a yeah, it's been an interesting kind of journey over
0: the years Yeah, is there anything that you can pass along to Mike and I on how to get prepared for a round or uh, something to do say as like a cool down after round because I even a couple years ago I never used to get sore after playing golf up until about a, a couple well maybe now three or four years ago where I would get off the course and be like why the hell does that my core hurt so much or why does my left side hurt so much sure
1: um, very common kind of complaint as we get uh, a little bit older, we lose that elasticity in our tissues, and mm-hmm. um, we're not kind of as fit as we might have been back in the day. And uh, so it's interesting you, you bring that up. I, on the weekend, we played our club championship, and I was actually having this discussion with Curtis Markison, who's a member at oh, St. Yeah. Charles, He's a heck of, heck of a player. Um, and he was asking, you know, like he, he said, you know what? You know what incorporates a good warm up? We were talking about warm ups, and um, You know, back in the day they say do these, you know, five stretches and (laughs) and away you go and you know and one of the things that we've learned now is um find a way to um prepare your body for the activities about to undergo. And so a warm up for hockey should incorporate the musculature and the and the joints and the and the movements you're gonna be doing for hockey. And golf is no different. Um You know, the underlying principle of making sure that you get the blood pumping stance, you know, um, going for a brisk walk, um, you know, doing some jumping jacks, things like that to get the blood pumping is is a great start. And then what we tell people for their warm-up is um, you need to do what we call a dynamic warm-up. And um, so what that means is rather than the traditional, like, stretch your hamstring and hold it for 15 seconds and then do the other one, do each one twice. <laughs> um, we try to incorporate kind of more full-body movements, um, taking into account kind of the joints and the areas that uh, undergo the greatest amount of stress during a round of golf. And then we build from there. And so um, what I do with some of these, um, you know, it, it's funny, the 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 higher-end athletes are more willing to look foolish on the range Then, um, uh, then most of us are Mm -hmm. so we can give them, you know, like do your, you know, overhead, you know, hold the golf club over top of your head and extend your thoracics by your mid back and give me, you know, 10 full squats, nice and slow to get that range of motion, your hips, your knees, um, you know, leg swings, those kind of things for the hips, um, you know, your traditional club twist to get your arms and shoulders going. Um, and then some rotational work, you know, mimicking your golf swing with your arms crossed in front of you and concentrating on, you know, does your back hip feel like when you rotate into it and you transfer that weight on the back heel. And then as you come through in slow motion, feel kind of where the, how the hitches are and the stretches are. Um, as opposed to your weekend golfer gets out there, uh, you know, grabs a, grabs a bevy on the way to the range, pulls out his 5 swing for the fences, um, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, I mean, it works. I mean, it works for what it is, right? If you're a 22 minute guy, what it is. But, um, you know, if you genuinely want to take care of your body, it's one of those things where dynamic warm-up is one of the greatest kind of um, changes that we've seen to, uh, to athletics in a long time. And um, once you get through that, once, you know, and again, everyone's got their own little areas they need to work on. A lot of people, it's ankles and hips, most people. Um, that mid-back, neck, shoulder. Once we can do that, we tell people we're going to start working through the bag, and it's you know start with one of your wedges that you're comfortable with, and hit ten or fifteen kind of three quarter rhythmic wedge shots, and then build to a, you know a full wedge, and then a full mid iron, and a full long iron, and no, don't just go straight to your driver and start uh, you know letting the big dog eat. That doesn't uh, it doesn't be any favors on the golf course or afterwards. Um, you know we've all seen the video of Miguel and Al Doing his little dancer routine before he gets out there, right. but I mean, those kind of yeah. those things work. Reason those those guys <laughs> are doing it. Now most of them do it in the, the locker room before they get out there because right. they don't look like crazy person. But what does he care? You know, uh, <laughs> It's, so, it's I mean, what are you going to argue with? But uh, um, you know, so before the round, that's what we tell people is you know, kind of use that and use it as a way to get your your mind into it. And um, uh, as a way to get your body ready to go as well and get your rhythm down and figure out what you've got that day because we all know it's different every time you get out there. Mm -hmm. Um, At least it is for me. Um, And then after the round, you know, um, most of us don't do a very good job of it. I mean, that's the reality. Um, Myself included. After my round Saturday morning, I sit down in the members' lounge of the Garden of St. Charles. I order an omelette have a coffee or a beer, depending on what time i am done. And then I jump my car, I go, home. Oh. Um, the better athletes, um, they're conscious of cooling down. The, you know, the elite guys will hit the range after and work on a couple of things. And, you know, the static stretching, kind of your traditional static stretching tends to be done following activity to make sure that you're not sore the next day or, the, you know, the, you know preparing yourself to withstand a week's tournament. Um, and then, uh, you know, make sure you're properly hydrated. I mean, this year especially, it was so hot. Yeah. You know, most of us, you know, you have a cup of beer or whatever. You know, whatever you might be drinking, and it's probably not water, even though it should be, or you should be, you know, doing the, the Tom Brady where you have one beer and you have four water after. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. Just none of do it, so um, you know, I'm, I, my hypocrisy does have a limit, and I will admit it's not, it's not what it needs to be. So that's sure just how it is. But uh, you know, if, if someone came to me and said, "How do I take care of it?" Those would be the things that I would focus on, and again. Trying to assess um, assess them individually and find out what they need to make sure that they incorporate, and then have you know kind of our general things that we use as well.
0: Wow, oh. that was uh, yeah. that was a phenomenal <laughs> rundown. We will expect an infographic on that, so we can yeah. share it with everyone because that was uh, that was. Nice.
1: Gonna, <laughs> I'll send you some videos. We got no problem. I, we got gotcha. you. Yeah. Nice. I expect your hand to be low single digits next year. Oh, good.
2: We like to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And,
1: what, what, what a- <laughs>
2: Rob, what I don't think Jr. did mention was you're you are a fitness professional with the Titleist Performance Institute, which I found pretty interesting. So I went and checked out the mytpi.com today, and they got a bunch of videos there. You know, like you said, warm up videos and then uh, other other training videos. And the one thing I found interesting was the swing characteristics. Have you have you seen these?
1: <laughs> Uh, I have, I'm not, uh, I'm not well versed in it. So the, the TPI program, um, has several different streams. And, um, you know, it's got the golf pro, um, stream and the fitness professional and the healthcare and the junior coach and the, you know, all these kind of things. Um, my focus with it was the assessment portion using, um, what we call functional movement screen or an FMS screen. Um, that they that they do that is specific to golf, um, and it's a great way to kind of find the hidden issues in someone's mobility that will hinder both their golf swing and potentially lead them towards injury. Um, but I'm not well versed in the swing component of it the way someone like Derek right. um, or Corey yeah. Cartusio, those guys. Yep. Who are- um, basically yeah. the,
2: the swing characteristics page of, of the my TPI website basically shows you what you should not be doing in your swing. So it, you can understand, uh, the, the wrong movements better and you are <laughs> like, Oh, I do that. And basically, <laughs> like you said, uh, uh, swing characteristics that can lead to mechanical inefficiencies in your golf swing and put you at a greater risk of injury. And I think out of the 50 things on the page, I'm, I'm sure at least 20 of them, at least 20 of them are, are things that I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be afraid to go down the list. Cause I'm sure I'm doing, I do the same. but um, no. it is, it, there are certain characteristics that you'll see in golf. golf um, and they differ with skill abilities. You know, so a beginner is actually more likely to end up with um, what we call lateral epicondylitis or tennis elbow than a good player is, because they tend to flip their lead wrist and extend that wrist, and where you injure that elbow. Um, You know, little things like that. Whereas a good player who compresses the ball against the ground is more likely to end up with their trail arm inside medial elbow with trouble there. Um, You know, beginners who tend to. We've all seen the the sky-high finish with the lean back. You're looking like uh, Johnny Miller in 1971. That <laughs> um, reverse C finish, um, you know, that tends to be something you see a lot of beginners doing, and it leads to low back pain because the facet tries to just get banged together over and over and over again because um, they're also swinging it 105 times around. Um, oh, yeah. Whereas you'll see better players with um, – you know, lumbosacral disc injuries or, or hip problems because of the way they they load and rotate that that rear hip, especially, or the lead knee. I mean, Tiger is a perfect example of those kind of things where his body just wore out. Um, was, I mean, that's a long discussion that we don't have to get into, but um, there are certain <laughs> mm-hmm. swing characteristics that will lead to certain problems. And identifying those early and trying to, A, coach it out of them with a, you know, a, a CPGA professional um and making sure that the tissues are capable of withstanding the changes with a whether it's a chiropractor, a physiotherapist, a trainer, or a team of people, um, that's one of those things that TPI was best at. The thing that I found it incredibly useful was is it gave us a common language amongst people who are very, very different um histories, education levels, playing levels. Um, there are a couple of, of trainers that I, I deal with who are TPI certified, who and PGA or CPGA pros, and we all. If they send a report to me, they're using language that we all understand because we've all done the same kind of courses. And standardizing that is one of the greatest challenges when you're dealing in a multidisciplinary situation. And it's TPI has been an absolute fantastic way to to standardize that discussion and make it simple and um, uh, get rid of the uh, bogus jargon that we all use. You know, we all want to sound smarter than we really are sometimes and um, (laughs) um, dumbing it down so that we're all able to understand what, you know, believe me, when Derek talks about the golf swing um, or Jeremy, who I work with at St. Charles, uh, I ask them all the time, dumb it down for me because I don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) And I got a pretty good idea what I'm doing, Um, you know, uh, and I find myself doing that at times at work, or at least I used to more than I do now, um, where you learn to um, uh, speak in a way that people understand, and it's an important way to get your, your message across, and PPI was excellent for that.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, we really like to do that here, Rob. I, I, I typically try to dumb it down for some of our listeners because, uh, um, you know, I can, I can be very technical in my speaking. <laughs> I did one of the, one of the aspects of the TPI program, uh, was nutrition. And, uh, some of our accomplished golfers we had on the show have shared their, uh, secrets of nutrition, whether it be a subway sandwich or, uh, a loaf of rye bread in their bag. And I, I was curious <laughs> if you had any, obviously not your focus, but any nutritional tips you can share with us.
1: All I can tell you is this, um, the COVID-19 became a COVID-35 for me, uh, Kind of around Christmas time, and uh, you know, kind of like, oh boy, like this is this is trouble. And um, I I saw a picture of it Christmas; it was not good. And um, and so I made sure made an effort to cut sugar out of my diet as best I could, Hmm. and um, focus on eating. um, Some would call it a dirty keto diet. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that but focusing on you know um whole foods um lots of vegetables lots of you know high quality proteins i mean it's basic advice but it's basic because it works um you know on the golf course um you know i try my best i don't drink on the golf course as a general rule um you know the odd time at a charity event or whatever i'll have a couple beers but you know when we play saturday mornings or tuesday afternoons we generally don't I try to drink water on the golf course mm-hmm. um, because staying hydrated is a challenge in a summer sport like like golf. Um, and then, um, you know, try and, uh, again, try and focus on, you know, the foods that take the longest to break down mm-hmm. and, and give you the greatest density of nutrients. And look, we all fail at that sometimes, don't get me wrong. But if you can do it right, you know, kind of 85% of the time, that other 15% has a significantly a lower impact on your well-being um both in soreness and in how you you know energy levels and general health than um than um uh, than it would otherwise if you're doing the 50 50 rule where you're just eating crap 50 percent of the time you know again it's not my field um but then that's just personal experience more mm-hmm. than it is anything else um because i've been on both sides of that scale believe me <laughs> um yeah but uh yeah you know things where that's what i found works for me and uh you know a loaf of rye bread. Uh, you know, that sounds fantastic, yeah. but uh, that ain't gonna for me. <laughs> uh, okay.
2: That guy's a that guy's yeah. a scratch yeah. golfer. Yeah. So yeah, he's, a, he's
0: a plus now. He's in the pluses, but uh, yeah, he loves his oh, rye man.
2: bread.
1: <laughs> Everyone's a case study of one boy. That's that's
0: yeah, <laughs> hey, the, the the proof uh, is
1: in the pudding is, there for sure. Yeah. Adam was a yeah. peanut butter sandwich guy. All right. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's um. Well, things it, you it, there is a certain degree of trial and error, but uh, in my experience, it's hard to go wrong with um, you know the basic. The, you know, it's, it's overplayed, but eat healthy, you'll feel better. I mean, it's pretty basic, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's all we forget about, because our mind is always driven to you know the flashy marketing and uh, the sugar, especially, is like, oh, this pleases me, so I want to eat more of it, and really it's probably doing more uh, more harm than it is uh, than it is good.
1: When you, um, when you actually start to look at sugar in your diet, um, you know, I mean, there's a million apps out there that you can use, MyFitnessPal being probably the most popular one. The sheer volume of sugar that you, that the general public takes in in a day is, uh, is shocking. Um, I know it was for me. When I was eating, I looked at it, I went, "This, this can't be right. And, um, you know, trying to get it down below kind of like 20 grams of sugar a day was a battle for a long time. You um, change a lot of habits, and um, once you start looking at it, it, it is amazing. Sugar is one of those ones that it's. Um, again, it, it, I asked a, a nutritionist friend of mine, and she said, "Yeah, it's it's everywhere." And um, it was shocking when I started looking into it. It's again, um, there are people out there with a lot more knowledge than I have on it, but um, it's the one that gets me. I just go, "Wow, it's unbelievable." And it's delicious. So, I mean, that's why it's in everything, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's delicious. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, right? I mean, it's, uh, no one is saying like never touch sugar again. But, you know, it's one of the ones where if you're, you know, doing a double, two double doubles before 9 a.m., It's that's a lot of sugar in your diet, you know, pretty quick. Mm. And then, you know, it goes in there. So, yeah.
2: Nice. Well, I weigh your your uh, nutritional um advice a lot more than anybody else because you're actually good at golf and maybe this can make me a better golfer. <laughs>
1: There's a long list of guys ahead of me on that one. I'll tell you that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we,
0: try, we just try and find the common threads through all of the uh, the interviews oh, that yeah. we do throughout the uh, the episodes here, and uh, yeah, we're,
1: we're, we're
0: trying to find trying to nail some down. And I think we almost yeah. got it. We just uh, we just got to put it. I into think practice so. Now.
2: And, and to keep to read that. To cap that segment off, go check out the My TPI uh, website because they got some really good videos on there.
1: <laughs> yes, it is a very, very well done site. They got a, they've thrown a lot of money behind it. They've done a great job of it. It's a terrific, terrific resource for players of all levels,
0: for sure. And then after that, you can check out the Aberdeen Chiropractic website, where uh, I know, oh. I know, I know, Rob, you're going to be. Uh, Putting up a bunch of videos there for golf now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, check <laughs> out Instagram, Aberdeen chiropractic official.
2: <laughs> yeah, Rob, I, my next question after that was going to be, uh, have you ever been to Aberdeen? And then I looked up where the where your office was, and it's on Aberdeen Avenue. So then that totally squashed about ten minutes of questions I had about Scotland. <laughs>
1: I've not been to Aberdeen, Scotland, but, uh, yeah, I make a daily road up to, uh, Maine and Aberdeen. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, no. I, I haven't been to Aberdeen either, but, uh, very close. We scratched that one from our, uh, our tour, but, um,
1: that is, well, that I, is a bucket I, trip for me. I'll tell you that for sure.
2: Yes. Mm. Um, well, I, I'll, Stopping there or segueing? I was curious. Uh, are there any like doctor golf tournaments, like Ryder Cup style, chiropractics, like and ne- neurologists versus the dentists and proctologists, or does that not exist?
1: Frankly, only Saturday mornings at St. Charles. is the only time I play with them. You know, like, I, mean, I played with a psychiatrist and a dentist on the at the club championship. So that's kind of the extent of it, as far as. Uh, my experience with it is concerned. The uh, interdisciplinary nice. golfers uh, could get ugly. So, you know, steer <laughs> uh, clear of that. That's, uh, <laughs> it's true of wow. both professions. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: I wonder if the psychiatrist is really good at match play, you know, he really gets under your
1: skin (laughs) I'm sure if he wanted to I'm sure he
2: could (laughs) Maybe if he's getting under your skin he's a surgeon I'll stop. Wow. I'll stop there.
0: I know. I know you have a list, Mike, of doctors. I, I didn't,
1: I don't, I don't
2: didn't even write. Them. I didn't even write those. Um,
1: that was, I wouldn't even tell you what my kids would say about that, but as you can imagine,
2: that is a serious
1: dad joke. I, exactly, as a dad, I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah. Right. Good.
2: Good fun.
0: Well, as a as a, um, as a dad of of two. What do you kind of, uh, you know, press upon them? You know, even though they are individuals, do you try and, you know, say, hey, you know, maybe you should be stretching a bit more or, or eat this way?
1: Um, we do. We try and, um, it's interesting because both our kids have chosen kind of sports that are, are ripe with potential for injury. Um, my son is a, an absolute hockey fanatic. Um, loves the game, um, will do anything for the game, and and loves to kind of like, yeah, he's only 11. So, he, you know, you, you have to gear back what it is they're doing. You don't want them, you know, um, overdoing it. You try and steer them clear. Just, you know, make things that are fun and have it be 10 minutes a day and, and those kind of things. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, try and make sure that, you know, like with any kid, you you, you want to set good habits early. As far as I'm concerned, both with diet, with understanding that hard work pays off, and and um, both with sports and school, um, we try to focus on those things more than anything. My daughter's a gymnast, and um, oh, wow, it's been quite the edu- yeah, it's been quite the education for both my wife and I. Um, just what goes into that? But believe me, we don't have to tell her to stretch. It's a it's <laughs> it's almost the opposite where you're trying to ensure that even at even at the young ages. Um, they have enough strength um, in the stability muscles to control that mobility that they have like they're all so flexible it's, it's freakish and um, making sure that the body is able to withstand the stuff that they do which even at you know at nine years old it, it boggles my mind the stuff that they're capable of doing and um, um so with with our daughter we're finding you know things like you know, uh, simple things like, you know what, um, stand on one foot while you brush your teeth. And then, you know, it's simple, but it teaches stability in the ankle. And it's something that we can all benefit from, especially, you know, yeah. as you get older, you lose that, that ability to kind of, um, uh, your, your proprioceptive skills drop. And, you know, working on those kind of things as we get older, just as important as when we're young. And, um, um, with the kids, we we work hard on, on trying to not, you know trying to instill those kind of things more so than you know get out and run behind the car and you know win sprints. Believe me, we do that too. My son loves doing stuff. Um, he, he'll ask to go do it, and it, you know, I'll go do it with him. I'll, you know, I'll try my best. We've gotten to a point where he's a better shooter than I am, and I'm. It's only a matter of time before he's faster. It's only because he's late or short, but. Um, you know, trying to uh, trying to balance that out and and show them the importance of, of training both as a lifelong pursuit and as a sport-specific thing. And, you know, it's one of the things that if you learn it young, you you have a good foundation of it, and hopefully you keep it up as you get older. Um, you know, I'm 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 well set in the middle age at this point at 46, and uh, finding that if you know friends of mine are uh, coming to me with some struggles with stuff that they you know that they haven't kept up with and um you know hopefully hopefully instilling in our kids the um you know understanding that if you if you move it you keep it if you don't you lose it and um, that's more important than you know how far can you get in your chosen sport a lifelong you know love of fitness and activity not even fitness just activity and being active and and moving and, and being outside and being inside and being with friends and all the great things that sport does, um, instilling that at this age sets them up for what we hope is a lifelong enjoyment of this kind of thing. And so that's the kind of stuff that we try to try to focus on. Um, sometimes successfully and sometimes not. I mean, there are days where, uh, like I said, there are days where I see my son, you know, two-handing his stick over the boards because he missed a breakaway and I see myself immediately in that. And, you know, or, you know, you, you see him want to bend his putter over his head and you gotta go. All right, <laughs> you know, I see that, but um, you, you try and uh, teach them to do things that you were not necessarily great at better than you. Were. So those are the kind of things that we try and work on. Wow. And like I said, there's lots of people do it different. Lots of people do it better. Lots of people do it worse. I don't know. That's what is working for us so far.
0: Yeah. Well, again, that, that could also be a uh, put into a video or maybe a nice infographic, and uh, we can share it <laughs> in 18 over Park community. Uh, that was, uh, that was fantastic. And I think I think now Mike and I, what our rule should be when we're doing the podcast is we should do it on one leg, and then switch. Anyway. <laughs> I'm
1: telling you, people laugh at me every time I tell them. But, but I say, if, if you stand on one foot, every time a commercial comes on, and alternate. Foot, once you're able to stand on one foot for thirty seconds without putting your foot down, then do it with your eyes closed, and then try doing it on a pillow. It it will set you up for success. So much, you know, you you won't be rolling my ankle walking off a curb, guy. You know, it it, it seems stupid, but it's stepping out of the golf. Makes, exactly, man. I mean, we all know that guy who rolls his ankle, you know, stepping on a Starbucks. But uh, you know, if you work on that kind of thing, it it won't happen. <laughs>
0: Well that's yeah I'm going to I'm going to start instilling that right now. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. There you that's, go. that's that's some great advice. Hey I, well we'll take anything we get as a, you know, the left side of my body has taken punishment whether it's, you know, a fractured ankle or a severely sprained knee and just with golf in general, it's uh, anything anything that can help. I will try and try and use and see how it works for me. Perfect. Mhm. Well, Mike, do you have yeah,
1: any more that's wrong. Yeah, exactly
0: yeah, exactly? Thanks. <laughs> did you have a, anything uh, else here? Or should we jump I, into I, the back I, then? I
2: I quickly wanted to yeah. get into now, Rob. I know this is your episode, and it's not Adam's episode, but <laughs> obviously he went to two U.S. Opens. Uh, did you get to experience any of those with him? Did you did you go and spectate while he was uh, competing?
1: I did not. So um, his first one at uh, at Page was during my first semester at school in Sydney. And his second one at Oakmont was like three weeks before I was moving home from Australia. Mm -hmm. And I contemplated Mm -hmm. flying home for the US Open and flying back to Australia, but uh, it just didn't work out. So I I didn't get a chance to see either of them. And it's one of those ones where you go, you know, at the time, I can't wait till, you know, next time when it's at Olympic or whatever, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, right. you know, you go, oh, I missed it. And, um, you know, me and the rest of the golf team, we stayed up late and watched it the first year and, you know, got to see him on TV once, I think. And, uh, <laughs> but it was, you yeah. know, one of those things where, uh, yeah, I, I, I missed those. And, um, that's one of the things where you, you kind of go that. Why'd you come home? Well, you know, I missed a lot of stuff and it's just how it right. goes. And, uh, yeah, so that was it. I got uh, you know, I got the team at Pine Ridge though, his favorite course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> nice, nice. And then uh so I guess you you watched the US Open with your golf team there and uh you said, Hey, that's my brother and then the next year they made you the captain. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what did it for sure. Not because I was the old guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just kidding. Well, yeah, no, that was that was everything I had, and we can we can get into the uh, back nine, Jr.
0: Right on the back nine lightning round is driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out at WinnipegDodge.com as well as those Grand Cherokee Ls. WinnipegDodge.com.
2: They're different. Yeah, maybe they even have a used uh, Tesla. Uh, I know, I know. Uh,
0: <laughs> Wilkie can find anything. Maybe it'll I be bet he uh, Rob's here after uh, after this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Quickly, Rob, and I'm, I'm. You know, I know uh, we're sponsored by Winnipeg Dodge, but they could always get a, a Tesla on trade in. But what do you love about the Teslas?
1: You know, it's uh, it's been a fantastic purchase it's uh it's like owning a roller coaster it's fast and fun <laughs> um you know I had a I had an SUV prior to getting this and um uh I was putting like between 350 and 4 bucks a month of gas into it and uh this Tesla I'm putting 20 bucks a month in electricity that's great wow. it weighs a, I mean it weighs a ton it's all wheel drive it sticks to the ground it's it's been great it's been a terrific vehicle tons of fun
0: yeah. Well, cool. they, still, they
1: highly get, recommend. Yeah, it.
0: and they got a lot of those quality vehicles down at WinnipegDodge.com. And yeah, ask Wilkie. I'm sure he can find it.
1: I oh, guarantee yeah. Wilkie can
0: find it. Yeah, he knows what he's doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of finding things, we'll kick off this uh, back nine lightning round—a collection of uh, rapid-fire questions here, Rob. So, have you ever got a hole in one? Oh.
1: I have not. I've never <laughs> yeah. been in a group with one. I've never seen one live. I am a whole in one kryptonite. It is oh, no. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> disaster.
0: We're not gonna play with you then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, we can move on from there. Well, I'm sure you've gotten. I was going to say that, Bobby,
0: uh Bobby Yule, she said uh, what uh, I believe it was Rhonda Orr uh, said to her was it's not about hole in ones, it's about trophies, it's about the championships. So would yeah. rather have the championships than the
1: hole in ones. <laughs> there you go. Couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Next one here, Rob. What is your preferred golf ball brand? What are you playing with? Titleist. Titleist.
1: titleist. You're you're hitting the the Pro V1s. Pro V1x. Yep. That's uh, that's my ball of choice. Um, I dabble with TaylorMade once in a while, but uh, keep going back to the Titleist. Hmm.
0: And we're still nice. waiting it's for the, that uh, sleeve of balls from uh, Robbie Mac. So Robbie, if you're listening, well, I, Mike and I still need a sleeve I'm of a, balls.
1: Yeah. Robbie Mack, so I better play that But uh, <laughs> well, he's been, that's my ball long time, so I'm not going anywhere.
2: Nice, nice, nice. And uh, so obviously you're you're yeah. a member of St. Charles, but this next question is uh, what? What would be your most favorite course in Manitoba?
1: I'll tell you, South North at uh, sorry Ross Mackenzie at St. Charles um, is tough to beat on a Saturday morning with freshly cut greens. Mm. Um, I enjoy niaqua very much as well i i've always had fun playing there um i like uh i like the membership there too. they're a great bunch of guys always enjoy myself there um and as far as public goes falcon lake is a no brainer to me it's um it's i think is uh, just a spectacular spot so yeah that will be those will be my my three in in manitoba
2: all very good uh uh, choices there. I, I, have, I have never played nyaqua JR, have you?
0: No, I have not. I, I have uh, spent a little bit of time there with Colwyn Abgrill, who's yeah. also a guest of the pod and a PGA of Canada member. But uh, I've Ooh. never set foot on the course.
2: So shout out to our nyaqua friends. We're looking for a tea time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, JR and I did get to play the uh, the Ross McKenzie team. Uh, course uh mm-hmm. about a month ago or so and yeah it was immaculate and that was wonderful and the uh i was blown away by the trackman range that was so yes. much fun
1: yeah. that is a cool little toy isn't it yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that
2: was great and uh so uh, you spent some time in australia what would be your favorite course in australia if we're if we're ever making our way out there
1: my favorite course of the ones i played um would be New South Wales Golf Club. Um, it's kind of the pebble beach of Australia. It's right on the coast. Wow. It's got a par three that goes over the ocean. It's pretty spectacular. Um, you know, Royal Melbourne is the big dog down there. It's the best golf course i played down there. But New South Wales is pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty spectacular. Mm.
0: Love we'll to put that yeah. on our list, well, Mike.
2: We'll have to put that on our list, too. The <laughs> uh, so next one here... Uh, yeah. What would be your, your bucket list course in Manitoba that you've never played and you've always wanted to get out to?
1: I don't know that they're uh, – let Is it Buffalo Point? Is that down kind of the yep. southeast there?
2: Yep, southeast, yep. yep.
1: I've never played it, and so I'm going to go with that one because I'm trying to think of another one in Manitoba around that I haven't played and I can't think of any over the last nice. 40 years. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm trying wow. to you know, that's that, a, that's I'm going to go without you The only one I can't think ah, of
2: b- mm-hmm. so. Buffalo Point That's, an, that's pretty nice uh, Down there What they call it The Northwest Angle In Lake of the Woods Kind of mm-hmm. South of uh, Falcon there Yeah um, uh, pretty nice, nice track up there and, and some good stay and play packages. That Not too, that right. they're a sponsor of the show, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> next, uh, you, you you know, you you mentioned Royal Melbourne there, but my next question here is what would be the most memorable course that you you've ever played?
1: There's a club in Northern Michigan called Crystal Downs. And um, we played Crystal Downs as part of the Alistair McKenzie Society tournament. Um, nice. yep. St. Charles um, is a member of that group, and the tournament moves around from club to club um, every year. And so, you get these opportunities to play some pretty, pretty spectacular golf courses as part of that. Um, we play Crystal Downs, and it is um, unbelievable. Like it's, I think it's top fifteen or something in the U.S., and it tends to be guys say it's underrated because no one gets a chance to play it. It's uh, it was pretty spectacular and it's memorable because we were actually there September eleventh two thousand one and oh, it, was, uh, wow. it was it was it well, was it was something else. But um, so it's memorable for a lot of reasons. It's a terrific golf course and it was you know it's one of those days you'll never forget, right? And we were back there, so we played golf and um, did our best to try and keep our minds off the you know all the nightmare yeah. um, news that was going on. And uh, but yeah, that would be uh, that would be one that I'll never forget as far as memorability goes. Yeah.
0: How often did you get to go out on those McKenzie Society tours? So if if you're listening, you don't know. So there's a group of uh, Alistair McKenzie courses that are around the world and there's a society. And as you mentioned, Rob, every year, barring COVID, they have uh, I guess like a tournament there?
1: That's right. And so um, the way that they form the team is your head pro and your club champion play together. Um, And then the president of the club and president of the society like you're you're a rep of the society i guess and then you have a a high handicap um a mid handicap another mid and a low i guess there's eight guys and so you qualify and away you go and you get to go you know it's kind of different guys every year and when it's you know when it was royal melbourne you kind of just take the eight guys who are able to go right um <laughs> you know I'll, um uh, but uh, i've only been to the one um you know, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that um, I'm going to start trying to go more now that my kids are a little bit older, and you know, I don't have to feel guilty, you know, going to Ireland mm-hmm. for a week or something like that. But uh, it's a pretty, I mean, it's pretty. We're look, we're very lucky um, to be part of that. It's a it's a um, opportunity that a lot of people don't get, and um, it's just it's a pretty amazing group to be part of. So.
0: Mm. Yeah, nice. sure does sound like it. And knowing that uh, it's kind of flighted like that, if Mike and I ever become members, we might have a chance.
1: There you go, <laughs> <laughs> high handicap. yeah. Right. <laughs>
2: or... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of high handicaps, uh, what would be your career low round? Mm.
1: Um, at St. Charles, it's sixty-five uh, on uh, ah. North. Yeah, and um, in a tournament, I shot 66 at uh, a club in Adelaide called Kuyunga, which is um, oh. um, a terrific track uh, down there in South Australia. And uh had one of those days where I went a little bit unconscious and had uh, <laughs> six birdies, no bogeys, which is not my normal game. So it was, uh, yeah, that was a fun day.
0: <laughs> you blacked out and yeah. played brilliantly.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what happened.
2: <laughs> do, you, do you ever play the West Nine at, at St. Chuck's? There, the woods
1: doesn't get enough yeah, love. We play it all. You know what? It, it is um, underrated, both by members and by you know, kind of the general public. It's mm-hmm. it's a good golf. I, I have said all along. It's got three of our best holes: huh. three, six, and nine are three best holes on the golf course. Um, and um, it has issues with drainage and those kind of things, and it's a pretty flat piece of property. But, um, uh, yeah, no, we play it. I mean, my son and I play it all the time because it tends to be a little bit easier to get on on a, you know, on a Sunday afternoon right. um, and those kind of things. But, uh, no, I, yeah, we play it all the time. I enjoy the west side, or the, the woods side. I've been there a long time. I keep forgetting we changed the names, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, shout out to the, the West Nine. I, they're listening. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Big fans of the farm. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: if Norman was... Yeah, doubt yeah, that right,
2: it. <laughs> 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 we we're at uh, question eight here, even though I've already asked 30 questions, but this is my, uh, my wild card question. And, and I was actually... I had a bartending question, but we already kind of touched on that, so I did have a backup, which is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, what would be your favorite vertebrae? F <laughs> <laughs> four? <F4>? Is that <laughs> we're gonna
1: go with L five? It's where the most action happens on the bottom. Okay.
2: Yeah, the uh, lumbar <laughs> vertebrae with for the the lower legs <laughs> and the feet. Mm. I did. Ooh. I did my. Re- I did my research, Jr. Wow, look <laughs> at that. Fit <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> is uh is a is a coccyx uh considered a uh, a vertebrae? Yes
1: yeah, spine. Hmm. Correct.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fractured my coccyx once I was jumping off the, the ten meter at the Pan Am pool after hours one night and uh that that <laughs> would hurt. <laughs>
1: None of that story sounds good to me, man. I don't like heights. I don't like broken no. coccyx so that's oh. uh, no.
2: The right there. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was not that was a lawsuit uh, that did not happen. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, our man. question question nine here, our f- flagship question of the back nine lightning round. What is your favorite condiment?
1: Smack dab mustard. Oh,
0: nice.
2: I think
1: local, keeping it local. Yeah, local. Well, uh,
2: I know,
0: I know the your your brother. I think was. Was helping them out in the marketing end of things, but yeah, I got a load of those here. I got there's like what a horseradish one. There's like a chipotle barbecue.
1: Yeah,
0: like it's it's incredible.
1: A good mustard uh, that makes everything better, as far as I'm concerned. Mm.
0: I would agree with that. I am a I am a smack dab guy now, hundred percent.
1: My son serious. I didn't say some sort of hot sauce because he's on a hot ones kick on that YouTube show, but uh, (laughs) I don't care. I'm sticking with mustard. Sometimes you to disappoint the kids.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hey, you've done everything else for them. All right, you can you can have your damn
1: mustard. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna like my mustard and forget about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I, I looking on the website now. They have a wasabi lime flavor. Yeah. That looks that could be interesting. Not sure what you would use that with. Put it on put it on but, anything.
0: Uh, it's delicious. But I, I do like I the hot the sauce amazing. too. But
1: yeah, like,
2: or a spicy ketchup. But
1: uh, mustard going heart. on.
2: Dude, that sounds fantastic. Sign me up. Yeah. 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 Put it on your DQ burger, hey? Eh? <laughs> the one thing I got to mention <laughs> uh,
1: Nick,
2: DQ Nick from the. Uh, DQ Manitoba. He's a big sponsor of the show mm-hmm. here, but if you follow him on Instagram, it's Burger Week right now. It's right. going to be Burger Week when this drops, too. He must be eating about five to eight burgers a day. I don't know. He's probably spending $400 a day yeah. on these burgers. Yeah. But
0: Hopefully he's getting his steps in because, my God, he is, yeah. he is putting a lot of meat down that gullet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but he, that's all he, That's all we see now we see pictures of him smoking something like smoking meat or bar- grilling something and then now with Burger Week that's all it is like I just want to see some damn blizzards Nick that's all I <laughs> want to see so if you're listening Nick, we need some more pics of blizzards <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nick is living his best life that's fantastic
0: oh yeah he uh, he certainly yeah. is and, and he's uh, you know a great community supporter uh, of golf here in and around Winnipeg uh, both him uh, and his wife Nikki and uh, yeah you can uh, check them uh, all out uh, on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and you can find them DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Neverville and DQ St. Anne's Road. And uh, yeah, that was the back nine lightning round and is driven by Jamie Wilkie and those beautiful and fine folks at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out at winnipegdodge.com and even ask Wilkie some golf questions because he is a former Manitoba amateur champ. Well, Rob Spears, this was a slice. I would, I would almost rank this above your brothers, but we'll see. Maybe you guys can battle that one out on the golf course to see who had a better episode. <laughs> but we really appreciate you taking the time. All the best to uh, you and your family, and thank you so much for the tips. I am going to be brushing my teeth tonight while standing on mm-hmm. one foot and then switching halfway through. So
2: really appreciate
0: that. That's the only thing that stuck with me for this entire episode. So thanks again.
1: <laughs> so I'm glad. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you very much guys. I
0: really had it. I had a great time. I was uh yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, we appreciate it uh, and uh, have yourself a wonderful night. Bye bye.
1: Thanks Rob and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot.
0: You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's twelve twelve, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're gonna play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile, because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge, in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, ''Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two.'' You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West auto park, winnipegdodge.com.
2: JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ in food in the food court, DQ Niverville
1: and DQ St. Anne's road. Go see them today for tasty treats.